This is the Knicks Wall Podcast presented by Whistle Sports. I'm back. I'm your host, Mike Cortez. Joining me today and held it down last week, Kyle Maggio, Sean Geddes. Guys, the pod of work was phenomenal. Uh, thank you, thank you. Couldn't, couldn't enjoy it more. Thank, thank you. And when you guys were speaking to Vork, the whole subject, well, the encompassing subject was, is it time to trust Tibbs? Since then, the Knicks are 2-1, and one, and last night may have been one of the best wins of the season. At Indiana, RJ got back on track. So, Kyle, I'll kick it over to you to start. How you feeling? Um, so I, I had a tweet last night. Everybody was a little bit thrown off by it. Uh, this was pregame. I said, I can't believe Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, and Austin Rivers have me excited for this basketball game tonight. And um, everyone's like, optimistic, Kyle. And it's like, hell yeah, optimistic, Kyle, because – Look, I, I was more optimistic coming into this year just off like RJ being better, right? And aside from the atrocious week where he forgot how to shoot a basketball, um, which we will definitely touch on a little bit, but um, I was mostly just encouraged on RJ being good this year and whatever the record was, it was. But uh, it's it's very apparent uh, through six games that this is a uh, improved basketball team, largely off the strength of uh, what I believe is the coaching. Um, I wasn't a hundred thousand percent in on Tom Thibodeau, but you know, they're, they're playing good basketball right now. And uh, that's all you could ask. So three and three through six games. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited, man, to be quite honest with you. So here we are. Can't believe I'm saying it. Yeah, seeing optimistic Kyle is amazing. That's when I knew that this season was really like borderline miraculous already. Um, but I mean, there's just a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Like, you know, I know last year, whether it was working the games and tweeting them or doing the post, all that, like, it just started to feel like a chore some nights where it was like, oh, I have to watch this team for 48 minutes. Absolutely. But like, I'm really, I'm really excited to watch this team. I'm excited for the next game. Like, I, I can't wait to see how things develop through the season individually and as a unit. It's just great. Tibbs doing an excellent job. I mean, this is everything we could have hoped for. You know, the uh, for, the schedule dropped, and we did the ten games, asking people what they thought we would win in ten game in the first ten. And people were like, "Oh, two and eight, one and nine, three and seven if we're lucky," and like we're three and three, so it's pretty cool. That was me, Aiton. I didn't think they were gonna win many games for the first time. I thought we'd be lucky if we got the cat, like not lucky, but I thought we'd be like, all right, if we beat a couple of the teams we're supposed to beat, like the Cavs, maybe steal one from the Pacers, we'd be in good shape, and then. That's exactly what kind of happened. You know, you, you got to you gotta take the winnable games. If you're a team like the Knicks trying to improve, you got to take all those in between. Like, you can't be losing to the Cavs if you want to be serious. And it's no disrespect to the Cavs. I actually think they have a really exciting young team, a pretty good young team there. But you, you got to just take those take those wins against another younger team. You know, you, you got to show up. You got to bully them. And, I, again, just really, really been encouraged. I feel like this is the first time we've actually had a smart coach since probably Dan Tony. Or I'll give Woodson some credit. So since Woodson, because the last time I was this excited about Knicks and 
it was the excitement that Sean just mentioned where we're actually looking forward to the next game instead of dreading it and seeing Tankathon every morning was probably that 2013 year and then when Porzingis was here. And when Porzingis was here, we had to deal with Hornacek. So this is kind of like the first time where we can at least trust that we have a coach that knows what the hell he's doing. So just that alone is reassuring. And then, I don't know, I feel like all these wins, nothing special has happened on offense for it to happen other than the Bucks game, right? Because Alfred just was off that. He just went off against the Bucks. But last night, defense – the win against um, the Cavs defense. So I feel like these are wins that you can buy stock in because this is something that I could see happening at any point in the season. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Like there it's yeah. Cause it's not like we're going out. The Pacers had 19 threes last night and we won the game and held them to, I mean, they should have been under a hundred, honestly, but you know, we're, we're sticking it out. And like you said, with the coaching, we don't get – I like the fact that we didn't get beat by the same thing twice. We won the uh, rebound margin by over 20 rebounds last night after getting killed on the boards the first time. I mean, Sabonis is playing volleyball with himself. So just to come back and identify the weaknesses we had in the first game and, you know, make them points of emphasis and execute, that's such a refreshing feeling that we weren't usually getting. Before, it would be a team would beat us, and then we'd see them a week later, and they'd beat us even worse the same way. So. This is great. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just about to kick it over to you, but I just wanted to lead in with the star of the show for through this six games, I would say, is Julius Randle. And last night, I mean, guys, I, usually when we talk about Julius Randle having a good game and involves scoring the basketball, last night he wasn't really doing that well. He did end up having a good night overall. But I think the sequence, I don't know if they were in, in my head, they happened simultaneously, but – the pick six by Julius Randle and then Mitch blocking Brogdon's three to seal it. That was probably my favorite sequence of the season because it just shows last year Julius was a black hole on defense. He was just – the only reason he was on the floor was to score points. And I feel like now we're starting to see the Randle that we saw. Remember at the tail end when Luke Walton was there? So, I mean, Kyle, how have you felt with Randle overall? Because he's, he's been, the, been the guy. Yeah, it, it's been really hard to complain about um... – really anything with Julius Randle. And if anybody really wanted, you know, to find something, it, it's more of a nitpick. And uh, I know the turnovers get brought up a lot with Julius Randle. And it, it's a fine point. It's it's valid, of course. But the issue is he runs so much of this offense, so much of the offense runs through him that, you know, he, he's still, at the end of the day, a bruising power forward. He's a bit of a – he's a playmaker for sure, but he's still a bruising power forward. So he's never going to be the smoothest – passer you know what i mean he at his at his best he's not he's not a Jokic. you know what i mean i know we're making jokes and everything but his type of passing is, is is a little bit rougher he does a lot of jump passing he does a lot of running into somebody to kind of clear the paint open up space and then kick out it's a different type of way that he creates which again is fine and it's very very effective but he's going to have some of those turnovers sometimes he's sometimes he's going to be a little bit out of control because of that it's just his play style so it it gives and takes but with you know what you're getting out of him, I think you you obviously live with that. These are a ton of assists that he's generating right now. He's averaging over seven assists to start the season. I think he's averaging over ten rebounds. Uh, I think he's at, so right now he's at, he's uh, what twenty plus, ten plus, and seven plus, right? If I'm not yep. mistaken, yeah. I mean, yep. seven so, and a so, half assists. Yep. So uh, look, I I know I know the turnovers are high, but you live with it. Um, but he's been he's been good. He's been mostly efficient. 
uh, awful first half last night and then really turned it around the, the whole second half. Um, you know, a lot really good passing. He, you know, he found RJ a lot last night and they've been working great together. Uh, that's another revelation this season. Uh, those two have been really working well together to create space and, and find different spots on the floor where they're open. Uh, they've been kicking out a lot to each other. So, you know, a lot of people are skeptical of those two fitting and now they're fitting pretty well. So again, uh, another, you know, check mark there for Julius. The, the defense has been much improved through six games, especially with Sabonis down the stretch, a guy who's obviously very quick and crafty. You know, like Sean said, he was playing volleyball with himself, getting all these rebounds because he's so he, that's what he does. That's why he's an all-star. But uh, Randall played him really well last night and adjusted really well in that second half, put the clamps on down the stretch. And uh, that's leadership. That's that's stepping up and playing by example. Um, so I, I really like what I've seen from Julius Randall so far. That's a, That's about as... Excellent of a start that you could have hoped for uh, from him. So very excited about that, man. Like really like that's, that's a, I was a big fan of his before all this because I wanted him paired with KP originally. I was, I used to scream that on this podcast. It was a dream pairing, a dream matchup. We finally got him, you know, but now he's paired with Mitch, which is, you know, a bit different defensively, maybe not so, but at least offensively, but um, just excited. You know, that, that, that's the kind of guy that you were hoping to get. A, a youngish guy who's, you know, just turned 26, playing his best basketball right now. I like it. Yeah, he's, he's really been a treat. I mean, he seems like he's that guy we can depend on every night. Um, he's, you know, the offense runs through him a lot, even yesterday when he I, – what I really loved about yesterday, though, like Kyle said, like, it's like yesterday he didn't shoot well. He was 5 for 16. You know, it wasn't falling, um, but he was still impactful in every single way. Last year, if there was a game where Julius Randle wasn't scoring well, it was painful to watch him play basketball. And I didn't get that feeling at all. You know, guys are going to have off shooting nights. And it was nice not to see people necessarily react to him not shooting well. Like, people were still appreciative of him because he's giving the effort. He's, he's playing hard. He's playing smart. You know, there's going to be nights where they don't fall, but he's still going to make the right reads. He's going to fight on the boards. And now that he's defending, I mean, like, I'll run through a wall for him. And there's still, like, there won't be many nights where he's 5 for 16. So it's like if he gives you that on a bad night, just with the, you know, consistent scoring he was, like, showing he can provide, it's really exciting, especially once the floor is better spaced. But we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Yeah, the more confusing thing for me is what the hell was David Fisdale doing last year? Because as good as Randall looked, I don't think, like, maybe you guys can offer some – guidance but i don't see a completely different julius randall in the sense that something drastically's changed in his game but he's just playing smarter across the board i just i just really want to know what fizzdale was telling randall last year because the awareness has just gone up to levels that we should have had last year i, I just it confuses the shit out of me but i think the biggest note was hitting rj and i think that last corner three rj hit last night him and Randall like ran up to each other and like you could tell like they're starting to vibe together. And that brings me to RJ. So RJ was oh for his life leaning up to Saturday. I think he finished what five of six for three or four for five from three. Ended up with 25 mm. points. Yeah. So Sean, I'll start off with you this time. For RJ, but he's gonna be such a tough person to deal with in terms of public opinion because before Saturday, I'm pretty sure people would have been okay with RJ being traded. That's how bad it got. So is there a middle ground with RJ? I really can't. I've never seen somebody shoot the same and just have wildly drastic outcomes. 
Is there something? I don't get it. What do you think? Yeah, in, in the Raptors game where, like, first of all, that was one of the painful, most painful games of basketball I've ever watched just because, like, it really hurt me because he didn't take any bad shots. He just couldn't hit. And it got to a point where I was like, yo, is he setting his feet wrong? Like, what's going on? Is he pointing his leg in too much? And I, I just want people to stop being so reactionary, you know? Um, I had a lot of people like, oh, look at RJ, blah, blah, blah. Like, you talk about Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton. Well, you got to say the same thing about RJ. No, I don't. Like, we're developing RJ. He's 20 years old. Like, we know that this isn't his strong suit. You're going to have to ride with him through. The, like like I said, Julius was 5 for 16. There's going to be off nights. So, hopefully, there aren't nights that off. That's probably one of the worst games he'll ever have in his career. It doesn't get much worse than that. But we got to support guys through that, especially second-year players. Like, there's got to be a little bit more leniency, especially when, you know, Tiz pointed out in his post-game interview, like, RJ's averaging almost four assists, over seven rebounds. So, even when he's not shooting well, he's still contributing. But I love the way that he stays consistent. He's really unflappable. And he just goes out there and knocks down four for five. He must really love Indiana. But just the consistency, like, that he's he's going to keep shooting, that's really beautiful. Um, but, yeah, people just have to give him some room. Like, you can't be trying to trade a guy for having a bad night or – you got to be able to weather the bad stretches. That's what rebuilding is about. People say they want to rebuild. People say they want to develop guys. They want to save for draft picks and all this stuff. And they want to say they're trading guys after the fourth game of the second season. So, no, nah, that's exactly the right point, though, because after the Ben Simmons game, that's exactly what we were talking about. He's got to get his ass kicked this year because this year he's he's been empowered through Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau wants him to be a player, uh, a playmaker. And a focal point of the offense, you know, a lot of times you see the ball running through Alfred and Randall, but then if that first initial action doesn't work, they're kind of swinging it over back to RJ on the wing. And then RJ kind of tries to start and initiate something as that secondary man. And it's and it's often, I mean, it's not as often as I know you or I or Mike would like Sean, but like it, it's been more at least. So at least, you know, Tibbs is, is kind of increasing that workload for him, playing him a lot, a lot of minutes and trusting him to go out there and win these games. So, yeah, it sucks when he shoots like shit and he forgets how to shoot really is what it looked like. I mean, it, it was awful, but you you keep playing him because you want him to figure out how to get to the free throw line more and more every game when he's going to shoot, you know, better from the free throw line, like he has so far to start the year. You know, now it's not uncommon to see him get to the line, what, four five, six times a game. And it's like, this is good as a young player. That's what you want. You want to see him getting there and knocking his shots down, getting his opportunities, learning to draw these efficient shots. So again, that all helps, you know, but he can't just go the, you know, these missing 12, 13 shot nights. Like he's got, he's got to learn to just be off a little bit and then find ways to to clean it up and, and overpower, get back to the rim, get himself going. But that again, to Sean's point, that's why in a rebuild, this is patience is encouraged. This is the first year he's truly been empowered in such a way. And there's going to be bumps and bruises with it. There's going to be some bad nights, but you know, we got to see what he comes out with at the end of the season. You know, he rebounded well in Indiana again. So that's, again, encouraging seeing him come back with not just a, a good night, but a, a pretty great night, a pretty efficient night where he does a lot of things. So we'll see. I'm still excited for him, man. It was a rough week shooting, but I, I'm still excited. It doesn't really take much away from me. You know, he was streaky last year, too. Right. He was. So it, we got to He's just got to learn to tighten it up. You know, that's that's part of this process. So we'll see what he does. Yeah, it's just I think it's I don't know. It's just because whatever he whenever he does have like the Toronto game. Sean said good shots. They were good shots. A lot of them were wide-ass open. I just don't – I'm just – I guess it's more confusion than annoyance because I'm not really annoyed. Even the Philly game, I knew – once I saw Simmons on him, like the first four or five possessions, I was like, okay, this is – this night's over for him. 
But I, like the Toronto game, I was just like, dude, go to the rim, do something else, get to the free throw line because that's the one area he's he's shooting almost eighty percent right now. I know it's still early, but seventy nine point three percent. That's I feel like that's going to be the first step in him becoming a good shooter. So I would just like him to maybe just right now he's just not a good three point shooter. Move inside because. We saw it in Detroit, and we saw it a little bit last night where if his three is mid-range, rather, it looks a lot smoother for whatever reason. It may not have any reason to it, but he's just better from inside. I think with RJ, I think a lot of it is rhythm. So I think that once he starts missing, he's definitely not a rhythm. That's why I was saying, like, you know, as far as him getting downhill, the mid-range jumpers he takes, it's because he's in a rhythm. You know, he comes down. He's, you know, he knows exactly, he knows exactly where that last step is going to be before he pulls up. And he, he's shooting in rhythm. So I think that once in – I think that in Toronto game, once he was missing, it just got to a point where it's like, okay, this rhythm is completely broken. So last night he was in a rhythm again. Those open jumpers looked really, really good coming from him. Like it was – so, yeah, I mean, if, if he can hit those, I definitely want him – honestly, I want him taking them regardless. Like I want him taking open threes. Yeah. But you guys are right, though. Like on nights like the Toronto night, if it's not falling, please try to get inside, do other things. I feel like – there should be other schemes. Try to get him in a post against smaller guards. Things like yeah, that. I was a little confused. Thibodeau didn't because he did this in the first, in the second preseason game, rather, where it was clear RJ's shot wasn't falling. So he called like a little out of bounds play or just a, just a play in general for RJ, and it worked and helped him get going. So that little that confused me a bit in Toronto. But last night was the first time I saw him. He was like dipping like his knee before he caught it. And then shot. That was the first time I see him do it, and it worked. So I don't know if it works. Keep doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I also like the little baby floater he's got going on. It's like this little cross lane bullshit that he throws up, but it kind of works for him. Uh, Love that. Yeah. I, I don't know where or, or why he he started doing that, but it's kind of been working this year. So uh, whatever that is, if it's falling, I'm I'm good with it. Um, you know, add something else to his repertoire around the rim, which is what we needed to see instead of him just, you know, flailing once he got there, like he was a lot last season. So it's something we'll see if it, uh, if it's consistent this year. I saw a lot of people complain. How did you guys feel about that uh, half court shot? He didn't take at the end of the first. Or the end of the <laughs> Mike Breen was tight. I found that funny, but I didn't have any problem with it. It's just whatever. Yeah. I think that when you're a guy who missed 21 straight three pointers and you're two for two right now, I'm not putting that up either. I get it. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I know right now my whole basketball relay relayability relatability is through 2K rec. And I know if I had like 0 for 11 in the rec, I know I'm keeping my two for two going into the half. Yeah. 100%. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just not like, I'm just not trying to see a miss like after I went 0 for 11. So I feel him on that. I, I look, I, I get it. I still would have liked to see him shoot it, but I, I understand. Um, it's also not that again, those are rare occurrences that they go in. So it's easy in the moment to feel like he should have shot it, but I, I don't care that much. Speaking of not caring about things before we take a quick break, Alfred Payton's played well. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be very upfront about my distaste for Alfred and I wish him well personally. I have no issue with him, but even if he does well, I, Still was very happy to see quickly back, but Elf played good, guys. Was there any takeaways? Anything like do you guys feel like he should still be in the rotation? 
long, not long term, but you know, rest of the season. Well, I mean, the best way I can put it is this. Um, he's, I would like to start off by saying I have been very open about not wanting Alfred Payton uh, to start or really be on this roster uh, in any capacity. But if we're being totally objective, he's a perfectly fine, like mediocre NBA point guard. It's just the things that he does don't really fit this roster. Things that he does well or, or better anyway, don't really fit this roster. Uh, don't really compliment these players. And the ways that he's good offensively don't really help us a ton. Like RJ shot eight of 15 last night, right? He took 15 shots and Alfred Payton also took 15 shots. And who, whose presence was really felt last night? You know what I mean? The guy who was getting to the you know rim, the guy who was hitting his open threes because shooting matters. And again, hard to make that point with RJ when he was just so bad. But the point is RJ is at least more of a threat out there than, than Alfred is. People still are, you know, to some degree, know he's going to hit some of those shots. So it's just hard for me to really buy into to Alfred really helping. You know, like he he helps, but it doesn't really do a ton. And then also, I, I look, I've also been seeing people talk about his defense being good lately. I think he he's had a, a couple games where he was fine. But like last night, I don't really get that point because he, give, he was giving up a ton of points, you know, a ton of everything last night I felt defensively. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't put his foot in his ass. No, like, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? I, I didn't really see much there uh, defensively. But yeah, offense, like he's he's been moderately efficient. He's been he's been fine. You know, he's been getting some assists, but I don't know. Like his play style, you just see the difference when like quickly is it, you know what I mean? Like they play faster, they play more vertically, they play up and down and they're just like getting to the rim. It's like quick actions. Like we're running, we're running with Mitch to the rim. If not, you know, fuck you quickly shooting a floater. Fuck you. He's going to shoot a three. Like it's like, it makes more sense. You know, like every, it seems like everybody knows what the options are and they're all ready to roll. And then with Alfred, it's more like, all right, well, Alfred's going to do some stuff for like 10 seconds. And then, all right, that didn't work. RJ, you know, figure it out with the remaining nine seconds you caught the ball with and good luck. And then, you know, like that, that can work. RJ makes some things happen, but it's like, you know, he's getting the ball in better spots when quickly he's in. They, they, he catches it, you know, on the move a little bit easier. You know, it's, it's something we noticed in the preseason. It seems evident in the, in the minimal minutes we've seen with uh, quick so far, but to me, it, it's obvious. I think to most of us, it's obvious, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, in terms of his defense, uh, I don't think he's that special defensively. Actually, I, I yeah, no, he's not. Um, I think that a lot of people get fooled by, you know, he plays the passing lane pretty well, like, you know, every every once in a while. But I, I don't know if he takes a lot of plays off. I don't know what it is, but, like, he's not always engaged defensively. Um, and then as far as – and it was actually – he had 17 shots last night, which was the most on the team. Um I just don't want Alfred Payton leading the team in shots at any point. Um, I don't think that he's enough of a scorer to warrant doing that. Um, and like Kyle said, the way that he scores doesn't necessarily, or the things he's good at, the way, yesterday was like top tier Alfred Payton. And I don't want to evaluate him on that plane all the time. If he continues to do that consistently, then okay, we can evaluate him as top tier Alfred Payton. But what happens a lot of times, he has one of these games, you know, he gets 17. People are like, oh, see, you guys talk bad about him, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes right back. And even last night, he did some things that frustrated me. It's just when when Quick and Rivers are out there, it's like everybody on the court is the threat at every moment. Like Kyle said about guys catching in better, sp better spots, you know, it's like 
from the time before I even saw IQ and Rivers together, I knew I would love it because you have two guards who can play off of each other and break down defenses, but also be the guy to shoot. So now at any point, RJ can bring the ball down, Rivers can bring the ball down, Quick can bring the ball down. The ball moves more quickly, no pun intended, because everybody is an option once they catch it. And that makes a huge difference rather than, like Kyle said, having the guy pound into the floor for the first 10 seconds, not figure something out, and then swing it and tell somebody to go ahead. Yeah, no, you're preaching to the choir. And just before we take a quick break, just excluding Alfred's miraculous 12 for 16 night against the Bucks. last three games he's attempting 14.7 shots a night, averaging 15.7. That's, that's too many shots. So I'll be very happy if his minutes get scaled back and we start to see a lot more quickly, and Austin Rivers, who we will talk about after the break. All right, welcome back. And like I said at the break, it's time to talk some Austin Rivers. So I would say one of the more exciting free agent signings, as good as Alec Burks was in his first two games. Hopefully he comes back, by the way. But Rivers, he came back against Toronto, played well, and then was a big force last night in the win. And this came right after he left a comment on Instagram. And usually those are a little corny, but I do like what he posted, basically saying we're rebuilding and we're heading in the right direction. And he backed it up with his play. So, guys, I know you guys were both fans of the signing, so I don't have to ask that. I guess my question is, where do you see Rivers – fitting into this rotation because he does he is good enough to start certainly yes but do you think he's better as beating up on the second unit and closing do you care if he starts as long as he closes where are you guys at with rivers kyle we'll start with you uh nobody's gonna like my answer because everybody is gonna take it as some sort of uh frank nilakina slander and it is not it it is not (laughs) he's gonna take frank's minutes those minutes that Frank would typically get as that sort of like in between guard, off ball, you know, sort of on ball, you know, that's that's Rivers and Rivers is is better at it. So that's about it. Like he's gonna get those minutes. He's not he's not not gonna be in the rotation. Austin Rivers. He's always gonna be in the rotation. So the way that I see it is there's there's only so many minutes that can go around and Frank doesn't do those things consistently enough. And I think that's, that's the first guy I would say, I'm going to, you know, the only note that I would say is depending on the Reggie situation, uh, cause he hasn't been playing too great. I could see, or at least I would hope that, you know, since RJ's kind of the three that, uh, you know, rivers could eventually maybe figure his way out as, as a two, you know, you know, playing there you know, over Reggie to some degree too. So I don't really know what, what's going to happen there because that, that slot is kind of up for grabs as far as I'm concerned, but I, I do kind of agree, Mike, I do think he's probably going to just keep coming off the bench. And if so, it, it's those DSJ, it's those Frank minutes that were very clearly up for grabs, especially after last year. So, you know, I, that's kind of what I think. I think that's, that's his role. That's his minutes. Personally, I feel like I feel like Austin Rivers is starting a two guard. Um, and if he's not your starting two guard, I feel like he allows you to start Alec Burks. I feel like what happened in the beginning of the year was that uh, Alec Burks was coming off the bench and he was scoring really well. 
And it kind of seemed like, okay, let's leave him in that. So we have, you know, the creation of the bench and the spacing. So it's like, you, you've got to start one of them, I feel like. Um, I, I think that we've seen the end of Reggie Bullock minutes, at least I hope, and I hate to be that guy. Uh, after the one game where he shot pretty well, I was ready to eat my words, but he went right back to doing what I said he does. And I feel like we're all starting to see it. And actually, yesterday, as I was tweeting the game, I literally said, because I realized Alfred had to finish the game. I was like, okay, if I had to finish with Alfred, please get me IQ or Rivers back in there for Reggie because he like he had a bad defensive possession. He bricked something and had a turnover all within like 15 seconds. And it was like, yeah, like he's killing us out there. And Austin got out there and he made the shots we needed to make. He was out in transition. He defends well. So it's like, I don't think there's anything Reggie Bullock does better than Austin Rivers. So I think those minutes, like he's the, he's definitely going to eat into those Frank and Dennis minutes, but that's where they come from directly. I think he gets Reggie's minutes. And I think it was shown a lot when he Reggie was subbed out for him and he finished the game well. I mean, six for nine from the field, three for six, three for six from three. Um, you know, it's different. And it's something that is, isn't an element that we have from a bunch of different people on, the, on this team, his ability to create shots. That's, I mean, Alfred took 17 shots. Last night. I would love for Austin Rivers to take 17 shots if he's being that efficient. Uh, even like the the jabs, the double jab step he hit McDermott with, like he created a three-point shot. Filth. So it's like not only can he catch and shoot, but he can also create shots for himself and others. So he needs to be on the floor. So in my opinion, he's a starting two next to hopefully IQ someday soon. But if not, you know, you start Burks to the two and you bring Austin up to the bench to run the one and two, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm more in the I'm more inclined to take away minutes from Bullock for a whole bunch of reasons, most of with Sean hit on last week's pod. But I don't know, Rivers, it's I feel like whatever he does with Rivers, I, I kind of tie him and Burks together. So if Tibbs feels Burks is gonna run with the starters, have Rivers lead the second unit because he does, in addition to bringing shooting and being able to um, create his own shot, he just has a swagger to him where like even before, like even when I didn't wasn't a big fan of him when he was playing in for the Clippers, he just has that aura where like he has that crazy eight energy where he thinks he can make any shot and he really does think he's Kobe sometimes. So I do like that because you do need that on every team. And I think he's gonna be that guy for us where he is technically the veteran at 28 years old. I feel like the young guys need that because RJ is a perfect example of somebody that can shoot O for his life and then still call for the ball with the game on the line. So I feel like having just that presence is crucial. And how Thibodeau breaks it up at the beginning of the game, I don't mind, but I do think the closing minutes should feature Austin Rivers, whether it's as the point guard or the shooting guard, because you need that down the stretch. I feel like Alfred may have confidence, but he doesn't have the shot. Then you have Bullock, who sometimes has neither. So I feel like Rivers gives you something. Yeah. So my, my thing with Rivers not starting is less about me thinking like he's he should and more that I just like that when he's in the game, the game doesn't go to shit. You know, like he comes in and he's just like, I'm a very like, you know, he's learned how to kind of reel in that crazy energy. You know what I mean? I feel like when he first got in the league, the first three or four years, it was just mad dribbling, mad out of control, like. You know, a little Julian Newman esque. Like he was always trying to like. I was just him. about to break him up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I, like, I'm, and I promise I'm not even trying to be like overly funny because I actually did not hate Austin Rivers coming out of school. But it was like, man, like this guy's like wild every game, just wild. But like now he doesn't do almost any of that. Really, I, I've been watching him, you know, more closely since uh, the Clippers years, and I, I've mostly like what I've seen. I really like what I saw from him last year uh, with Houston. So. 
I, I like the role that he's in, and I just think that's probably a, a better spot from off the bench. Same with Burks. And again, I would love Burks in the starting lineup for the shooting, but the way our roster is constructed without much offense, I, I just don't want too many guys in the starting lineup. And then we have to like go to the bench for like Dennis and Frank, and then we're back to square one. We're like, we're getting abused in those minutes too. So it's like, I, I'm, I'd rather balance it out a little bit when you know you could run a lot of the offense through RJ and, and Randall in the starting lineup. But um, if he was, if, if Rivers started, I wouldn't complain. Like if Rivers or Burke started, I would never ever complain because they are, they're very good. You know what I mean? One like, of them have to I, start though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like if one of them started. Personally, I just, you know, me trying to make sense of the roster, and that's that's why I would like to keep at least one of them coming off the bench because they, I mean, they, both of them are going to be in the rotation. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be the, the top seven, eight guys is my gut. So right. I just don't know where they're going to like officially have their role named, but I think they're going to be playing mostly big minutes anyway, you know? It's funny because, I mean, I've been ready to run through a wall for Austin Rivers since his media day interview, which is, you know, I'm kind of callous to most media day interviews at this point. Guys have told us a lot. But, you know, he was just very logical and rational and saying, like, why he wanted to be here. And I truly – I believe him because his contract is three years, $10 million, which I still, like – it's, it's like, unfair, honestly. I almost feel like we stole him. Objectively good value. That kind of production. Yeah, objectively good value. So, um, just being, being that and being the consistent guy, you know, his comment on the Instagram, you know, normally I would think that's not cool either. And like he said himself, normally he wouldn't do that. But – He's just very rational and he gets it and he gets it. He gets being part of his team. He hasn't even practiced with us yet. And he's able to go out there. I, I, I truly believe he can be like a, and I started thinking that once I realized, cause he was talking about in his uh, media day interview that just, he's never been like a primary guy. He's always been on teams with like stars. He's got to play his role and things like that. And I realized he was like the vet on the team. And I really think that he could average a smooth 18 to 20 points a game. I mean, last night the ball wasn't being forced to him. He wasn't overly doing anything. I just realized just now, he had 15 points in 17 minutes. Yeah. Like in 17 minutes, if, if Austin Rivers gets 30 minutes tonight, we're, we're better on the floor for 13 more minutes. Like as opposed to Reggie, Reggie got 33 minutes and had six points. And Austin Rivers just gives you, he gives you very good minutes. Like you said, it doesn't go to shit when he's on the floor. He seems like he's in control because he's, he's, because he's a veteran and he's been in these situations, he's closed games out. He just looks poised, and that's really important down the stretch. Yeah, and, and again, I'd like to bring up uh, everybody has yelled at me for years on this podcast. Points matter, folks. Offense matters. You see when Austin Rivers gets in there and then just does some stuff. Nothing wild, just some stuff to create a little bit and score a little bit. It matters. That that's You, you need guys who are going to be able to do shit like that. It just does. Like everybody – we've gotten to a point where like – you know, fans are always so hyper focused on the defense. It's like it, it becomes like, uh, you know, we, we've beaten it already. You know what I mean? Like it, it's too much. Like everybody's got to be amazing at defense, great at defense, defense first, defense only sometimes. And then we could talk about offense. And it's like, man, like you see just having a couple of guys who are versatile, like Austin Rivers is like that shit matters. It matters that he's able to be on ball, off ball, create a little bit, shoot a little bit it just keeps the defense on their toes. And then in doing so he could play, make a little bit. And then that's all you need to do when you're a passably smart basketball player. Like you need to have guys who can do a bunch of stuff like that. And again, Eli wrote a great article about it. We've had a lot of versatility issues uh, with guys that aren't able to do more than like one or two things. Rivers is a good example of a guy. Isn't even that good. Not even a slander thing. He's not even like tremendous, but he's just good enough at doing a couple of important skills that it makes a big difference 
on this team. So that's what it comes down to for me. It's nice to have a guy who can do a couple of those things, and it's a breath of fresh air that there's some competence and skill offensively, you know, at least from a guy who's coming off the second unit right now. When was the last time we've seen that, a guy who looks polished like that coming off the bench? So I'm enjoying it right now. Uh, I'm glad we got him three for 10 as a steal just for the, the type of value that he brings you on both ends. So um, I don't know what comes of, of the rest of the roster, but he at least makes a lot of sense. And I just hope they keep him because that's a great deal. Right. And I feel like he's underrated to a sense because we kind of get like a stigma with, I don't even know what to say. Like what formerly hyped star- guys. Yeah. Formerly hyped because he had a top five hoop mixtape all time. Yeah. It was good. It was terrific. Yeah, Got to say. Top 10 pick. I mean, he played well at Duke. It's not like he went to Duke and shat himself. He played well. He was a top 10 pick. I feel like just going to LA, his it was like a stigma with him ever since. And then there's just a stigma with starters in general where, especially I feel like with the Knicks, where if you're not, you have to either be Carmelo Anthony or you have to be like RJ Barrett. Like you have to either be a star or someone who has star potential. Like there's no room for in between here. And that's why I feel like Burks or Rivers. I would side with Burks just because I feel like he's more instant offense and then Rivers has the leadership to kind of also help the bench unit because I feel like the bench mile has been a forgotten unit here, and that's a big reason we've usually slacked off in games. But, yeah, I think Rivers is all stigma with any negative – on the negative side. Like, there's nothing he does terribly on a basketball court, if that makes sense. No, I, he, he definitely, like, he everything you need him to do, you know, he can shoot, he can create. That one move, I mean, beyond the uh, jab, jab step three, but when he uh, hit, I think it was Oladipo, he hit him with, like, a hesitation and a mean crossover and then got to the lane and Euro yep. stepped through the paint and finished with the reverse. It's just like, come on, how, like Kyle said, how often do we see anybody do that in the Knicks uniform? Like, that's beautiful. That level of shot creation, just having that on the floor is a game changer. And so, I mean, I would really hope to see, I, I think what I would like, you know, especially if Alfred has to keep getting minutes, which I assume is the case, you know, hopefully IQ gets moved into the starting lineup. I'd like to see IQ Rivers and RJ and then have Alfred come off the bench with like Alec Burks. I just want, you know, that way he'd be paired with somebody who, you know, you can run the offense through Alfred and have him try to create for guys. And then Alec can just be the guy to space the floor because Alfred needs more spot ups around him. Yeah, no, and Last night we saw Rivers' impact late. I'm pretty sure they were down three when he checked in. He hit that big three, and then he had that lay-in on Old Depot, as you said. So, I mean, the impact was clear. And another impact that was pretty clear was, like you just mentioned, Sean, Emmanuel quickly. He returned, nine points, three for four shooting. And he's becoming really good at drawing fouls. And that's another thing that the Knicks have been missing pretty much since I've been rooting for them. Like, they haven't had a guard that's just good at just getting to the free throw line. I feel like if Quickly's playing 20 to 25 minutes a night, he's getting to the line a decent amount. So how would you guys feel about Quickly's return? I know he should be starting eventually, but how are how you, how'd you guys feel about his welcome back game? Uh, he looked exactly like I hoped. I uh, came in, made – I think he only missed one shot. Wasn't he three for four? Uh, made his free throws. You know, um, I think he had, you know, a couple assists. I mean, he he didn't play a ton of minutes last night. First game back, which is fine. Don't really mind. But um, like I like I said before on the the elf point, I I just think the offense makes a lot more sense. They again, no pun intended, but they move more quickly with him out there. Um, They he, he just he's really quick and he knows how to create 
in space using his speed, which is important. Uh, whether that's for the floater or throwing up a lob, he usually reads that space situation well, whether the defender is dropping with Mitch to try to contest the lob or whether they're coming out on him to try to stop the floater. And I just think that's really smart basketball. That's a really key thing for him to have already um, just starting in the NBA. So I, I just think he he kind of like just gets it. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like a home run yet because we got to see more of him, obviously a bigger role, bigger minutes, but um he just really makes a lot of sense with a lot of the key young guys, you know, RJ with Mitch, um, even Randall typically plays a, a better version of himself alongside with quickly so far. So I, I like it. I, j- I just want to see more minutes now. G- g- give me 20, 25 minutes a night. You know, I don't care if he doesn't start immediately, but give me 20, 20 uh, 25 minutes a night. Really let me see what he could do, you know, for a couple of weeks at that. And then I'll, I'll be pretty happy, but I, I just want to get a better look now. Yeah, I, I agree. He did what I expected him to do. I mean, what you hope he would do. Um, and I just would like to see it in extended minutes. I mean, he had 15 minutes last night, first came back from injury. But he he's so comfortable on the floor. He's just really comfortable with the ball. He seems to be in control. Like, when he has the ball, he knows exactly. Like, he hangs his dribbles with the right timing. He makes every step count. When he gets over that screen, you've got to play him. That floater is deadly. He, like... He goes to it often, and he goes to it well. So that's really exciting. And then he spaces the floor. You know, when the ball was rotated to him, he's going to knock that down. I'd like to see him get more of those opportunities. So, yeah, it's really just going to come with more minutes. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does. I feel like he's one of those players that, like, I just – I mean, of course he's going to make his mistakes over the time. You know, he's a rookie at the end of the day. So, yeah, we're not going to act like it's a home run. But you can just see, like, when you watch enough basketball, you just know when a guy knows how to play. And he knows how to play, and he does those things well. He has the tools that we need. And I, I really look forward to lineups to happen. He, he adds balance to lineups. One thing that kind of excites me, just because I know Thibodeau and Doc Rivers coached together and seem to be good friends, even if he doesn't start, and even this is even going back past this season, I am very intrigued in a Lou Williams-type role for him, where last year or the last few years – the Clippers would not start Lou Williams, but to close games, he was always in the last eight minutes and he pretty much had carte blanche. He could do whatever he wanted. I'm fine with that being Quickly's role, at least for this year. Obviously, if they add a higher level point guard who's better at facilitating and quickly has to move to the bench, I think the Lou Will role is there. And there's a lot of Lou Will comparisons to his game that people just keep noticing. I don't see it personally, but, you know, anyone that could create their own shot that they're going to thrive in that type of role. So I feel like that was my biggest takeaway from last night. I do think that's a role Thibodeau's already showing that he could do because we saw him put in rivers. I think it was it last night, or even the Toronto game. He also did it. He took out elf who was playing pretty decently and went with the hotter rivers. So I do think if Thibodeau notices that quickly is responding well to that role, that's a role that can easily be his. It seems like it's the position Tibbs wants him to take though is like my tea leaves reading of the situation because it seems like coming out of camp, you know, Thibodeau was kind of excited to get him going and then immediately thrust him, you know, into a pretty big role in the preseason where he was just already taking the backup minutes. And then, uh, you know, he got a couple of the starting nods and, and looked really good. So it seemed even when he was missing time with the hip pointer, when they would talk to Tom Thibodeau, he'd be like, kind of like, yeah, you know, can't wait for him to get, you know, get back. You know, it, it's something that he's more day to day, but he should be able to get right back out there. Like, it seemed like they wanted him like, okay, man, like need you back. Let's go. Like you, you need to play is like the vibe that I'm getting. 
So it seems like they, again, I don't know if anybody knows a, a role or anything, and there's nothing wrong with the Lou Ru, uh, Will role. It's just usually it's hypothetical that a, a bench guy is going to get that long of a leash. You know what I mean? It always sounds like, okay, he's going to be the super sixth man and ends up being like, well, he's a sixth man, but maybe doesn't play as many minutes as we want or the exact role we want. So I'd prefer him be in that Lou Will role. That's a, to me, that's a sick bench role. That's like just another starter for the most part. He's playing, you know, for a lot of first team minutes too, to some degree with the starters, but um, it's interesting to see. I think at worst, they've got a pretty decent backup PG right now. And, you know, there, there's some really good upside. And again, if Tibbs is really about the merit here, then if he's playing well, then he's, he's got to take the job. I just hope we see more of what we saw in the preseason now. Yeah, I'm very excited. And just to put a bow on meritocracy, Mitchell Robinson, he didn't get the starting spot to start the preseason, but he showed enough to get the starting spot to start the regular season. And last night, he was amazing. He shot 80% from the field, 16 points, nine rebounds, pair of blocks, including pretty much the game sealer against Brogdon, which was great. And there was a sequence in the game prior to that, which is one of the worst games I've ever had to see. But one of the bright moments in that game was he had like a bam out of bio possession where he just like was in the middle of the possession, stopped the layup, ran somebody off the line and then forced the pass back across court for an ugly ass corner three attempt, which bricked. So, I mean, Mitch has done everything I wanted him to do. How have you guys felt with him? Is that kind of what you expected? Are you a little let down by the lack of offense because he still is, a lob threat on that side. He hasn't really added much to his game, but overall, how do you guys feel about Mitch? Uh, personally, I'm thrilled with Mitch. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that he's able to even stay on the floor. I've always felt like he was capable of, you know, being an, uh, you know, a guy who can make an impact consistently, but you know, he's playing like almost 30 minutes a game. Last night, he got pretty close to 30 minutes. He had three, he picked up his third foul in the second quarter and I didn't really like the foul call but he didn't pick up another one in the second half. And like, we, you know, things like that didn't happen for Mitch last year. Last year, if Mitch picked up his second foul in the third quarter, it was okay. How long into the third until he gets his fourth. So just the fact that he's able to control the foul situation while also still having a huge impact. I mean, he was around the rim so much last night, like that, that eight for 10, probably six of them are putbacks. I mean, he's just really, his energy is high. He's blocking shots. He's impacting shots. And yeah, I, he, I'm very thrilled with the way he's playing. I like to see more offensively, you know, Tibbs himself said that, you know, the, uh, he's got a lot of potential offensively and it's, it, we're going to see it. So I'm excited to see it. But I mean, if he gives me 16, nine and, you know, he's really been an anchor Tibbs gave him that credit as well. You know, Tibbs challenged him in the beginning, which I really like the fact that he responded to the challenge while well. he responded to the challenge. And now he's getting the praise for doing what he's put out there to do. He's really been the anchor of this defense, which has been a really good defense so far. Yeah, I, I don't I don't ever care about the jump shot situation. I think that was ridiculous. It always is every summer when we do it. Everybody sees some workout videos. We lose our minds thinking that's the only way that he could be of value uh, offensively. And um, there's nothing wrong with being a really good rim rolling center, especially when you're so good at defense like he is, not just near the rim, but you saw him. They, they like to switch him. You know, we've seen that no matter the the bad coaching scenarios here, but they like switching Mitch up top because they know he's going to block all the guards for the threes. They know he's quick enough to stick with them. So, yeah, I mean, I could care less about Mitchell Robinson ever shooting a single jump shot in his NBA career if 
he's got to be able to just dunk, you know, get you those putbacks, get you those things, you know, just be able to finish near the rim, climb into that 10 to kind of 14 point per game range, you know, get comfortable somewhere there, just be somewhere offensively and, you know, work on the rebounds. That's about it. Like I have nothing else that I want for Mitchell Robinson. If he develops a three point jumper and he's a sniper and they actually put it into games. Cool. Until I see it in a game, I don't ever care. I don't ever want to hear about it. Hypothetically. I don't ever want to hear about it because the workout videos, I don't care what people are hinting at or or tweeting or, you know, it's not happening when we see it in a game, then it happens. Like, we do this every year. Dennis Smith jump shot is magically revisit. You know, it's, now it's going to be better. Mitch is going to shoot threes. And then it's the same stuff. Every Even Frank, we see Frank workout videos. He comes again. He's shooting better this year. I'm going to give him credit. Definitely right now. But most of the time he came in and shot the same. So it's like. Frank is shooting when, fantastic, Kyle. It's fantastic. fantastic. I, I look. I, yeah, I, Frank I, is like, shooting very well. I've been, I've been <laughs> saying it on these pods. Okay, no, him no. and Ox. I've, I've been giving them flowers left and right. All that. Look, I love looking like an idiot when it's my favorite team. I need to bully you into being good. You have to be good for this team. At some point, you just gotta you gotta learn how to shoot. And then what did what did he do when he's shooting? So keep doing it. Keep doing it now. That's that's all we wanted. Just make open jump shots. That's all we wanted. Just keep doing it. It's great. It's great. I think the only thing that bothers me with Mitch and the reason I want to see him take jump shots is because he promises it so much. Like, I feel like that's been his talking point for, like, the last two years. Like, oh, I got I got a full bag on offense. It's like, so just try it. Even, like, when there's a blowout, he's not even trying it. Like, he, there's been plenty of times where he's had the ball in the mid-range, nobody within 10 feet of him, and he's just standing with the ball. And I was just like, dude, shoot it. Like, do something. But Yeah, that's the thing. No one's playing it. And, you know, I said it after the Raptors game because it really, like, it kind of hit me. I, like, yelled it. But – um. We were three for 36. I'm okay with one of those misses being Mitch. Exactly. Like, like what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? At this point, yeah. Like, you know, so because nobody's playing. I'm not saying, you know, draw it into the offense where he's a like him shooting three is a primary threat. But I mean, that night, Alex Len killed us from the corner. He was three for three. We played against the Pacers yesterday. Miles Turner hit three threes down the stretch from the same corner. So it's like, if, if Mitch could even be a guy where if you kick it out there, a team – or not even – just a team having to play that, you know? A team having to play that, especially with the lob throw he has, opens the floor up a lot. So, I mean, if he if he takes, you know, one and it hits, then, hey, maybe somebody will play them. But uh, I, it's not I, something I we know. need to see, but I would – Because Mac Biombo took a three-point attempt. Come on. Like, look, look, it, look, let again, it fly. It, look, it would it would be nice. I'm, I'm saying in, in a perfect world, that's, that's something that would be happening. But it just feels like oftentimes we're always hoping for a hypothetical good thing that we think could happen, and then the coaches always decide otherwise. Even with the Frank stuff, everybody acts like I hate Frank. First couple of years, I was like, man, he's got to play point guard. Why would you draft him as a point guard to not play him as point guard? This is ridiculous. Why is he getting moved off ball? And then I wanted him to play. I want, But then multiple coaches kept seeing him going, no, nah, we're, we're not going to play him. We're not going to play him as much. We're not going to start him. He's not going to play you know, as much point guard. He's going to play a little bit off the ball now. So it's like, all right, man. Like at some point, it's like I, I, we must not be seeing something. Well, for whatever reason, they just they don't believe in him enough for to work that into the, the offense yet anyway. And again, even if it does come. He's only in his what third year, like yeah. it's it. There's plenty of time for him to work on a jump shot in terms of incorporating into his game. It's like I, I know I would, again, everybody would love to have a jump shooting center. It, it's like, it's the rare. It, it's what the the key in the modern NBA right now is that guy who can, you know, hit somewhat efficiently from deep and and make people pay. But it's like 
I, I just don't, I'm not going to bank on it, especially when he's being so good everywhere else. You know, it's like, I, I can live with never not seeing the jump shot for a while. It's okay. He's, he's, he's good. He's finally got the starting rule. This is all, this is all I ever wanted. He should have been starting all last year. Like this is, this is what should have been happening. You, you see how important he is on a night like last night. So I very happy with Mitchell Robinson, very happy with Mitchell Robinson starting, uh, you know, him and Randall look, you know, pretty damn good together and even defensively lately. So I'm with it, man. I think that's a good front court defensive unit with with RJ, Randall, Mitch. I think those are three that's going to be like at least right now to start the year. Those guys have been pretty tight down there. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with Mitch's play. Thrilled even. No, he's been great and it's been good to see. So we're going to get to some mailback questions. But first, I just wanted to get one last thing off. Thibodeau's kept a tight rotation during these wins. I think the largest rotation was last night with nine guys. RJ's been playing upper 30s, low 40s. Julius about the same. The only person really missing is Obi. And I just wrote down the full roster and just try to check off names. I checked off the usuals. And then I still have Frank, Dennis, Knox, Bullock, Iggy, Harper. Assuming Obi comes back, he's going to be part of the rotation. I don't. Who do you guys think are the odd guys out? Because I really do think he's going to stick to the ten men, maybe eleven if someone's playing really well. I just I don't know. I my guess is Bullock and Frank, but I mean Bullock and Elf. But look, I, I think, and I, and I just want to be honest on this podcast with everybody, myself, you two. Alfred Payton's not leaving the rotation, guys. I just want I want everybody to I, I want everybody to understand that and just accept it, okay? And I understand what we want. Alfred Payton's not we we can't say he's likely or you know it's just not he's not leaving this he he wouldn't have this long of a leash offensively if he was ever going to leave this rotation. At worst, quickly outplays him. He's got, he's going to take the backup minutes, but there in no universe is he going to fall out of the rotation. I, I just know. do not see it. If he falls out of the starting lineup, though, where does I don't but how see could, but how could he after this last week? All right, so I'm let's say quickly outplay. So yeah, so quickly outplays him. Then you move quickly into the starting lineup, and then I'm assuming it's going to be quickly RJ Bullock initially. Because you would need Bullock to also Good fall off a cliff, please, too. No. Now, <laughs> once he gets out of that, so let's say it's quickly Bullock, RJ, and then Randall Mitch, right? What justification do you really have for putting Elf in over Austin Rivers and Burks? As long as he – this is this is all I'm going to say, okay? As long as he is going to be playing like this last week, he's going to start. Like, if, if, if he's getting – and again, it, it it's not because I think he's good. I think it's just good in a way that's not helping the team. I'd like to make this very clear because everybody always likes to take everything I say dramatically out of context. So as long as Alfred Payton is shooting roughly 50% from the field at this point in time, making most of his shots, rebounding a bunch, and getting five to seven assists, Tom Thibodeau is going to keep starting him. No matter what we think about quickly. Quickly would then have to be scoring, you know, 15 plus points a night, really lighten it up, really assisting to really take that job. And it's not like I have doubt in quickly. I'm just saying the way Tom Thibodeau is going to work with Alfred Payton. The reality of the situation. So I don't love it, but that that's what's going to happen here. I just want us to accept that and not get mad about, you know, Elf. Even if Elf doesn't start, I, he's going to stay in the rotation. That's just, it's just what it is. I don't like it either, but that's what's going to happen here. 
Yeah, I agree and disagree. I feel like it'll be tough to get him out of the rotation as a whole. It could happen down the line. But um, I do think that Quick can take the job pretty easily because Alfred, to keep the job, he has to keep playing the way he's playing. And I don't believe in Alfred Payton to keep shooting 50% from the field and scoring 17 points. So I feel like Quickly can take those minutes. Rivers can take those minutes. But I think Reggie's definitely the guy who's for sure out of the rotation. And I think for now, it'll be Reggie and Frank. And I think what happens is once Quickly takes that starting job from Elf, I feel it won't happen, you know, next week or two weeks from now. But I feel like, you know, over the course of a season, if Elf isn't playing that well in his bench role and Frank comes in and has a couple of good games and hits another four three-point game, then that's a situation where he can end up getting those minutes that Alfred has left over. But yeah, it would be it's it's gonna be a it's gonna require a movement to get him out of the rotation. Yeah, you're probably right. So that leaves pretty much Frank, Dennis, Knox, Harper, and Iggy just in the abyss. Do you guys have any hope in any of these guys? I'm starting to believe in Knox. I know. He was bad last night, but I think that had more to do with his – I think it's his thumb or his full hand because he was pretty good in Tampa. He was the only person hitting shots that game before Rivers came in. I mean, he, he's been – him and Frank have been better this year. I just want to be very clear about that when I say this next point. So um, they've obviously been better. I think that's clear as day. I think Frank is shooting the lights out. Um, extremely small sample. You know, he didn't play much the first couple games and then, lit, you know, lit it up the next couple. But, again – Still doing his job as much as he can do so far. So credit where it's due. Knox, the same thing. Knox has been playing more. And I think he's been, you know, he's not lighting it up. His numbers aren't spectacular, but mostly he's just hitting some shots, playing good defense off the bench, you know, using his length pretty well, and generally not falling asleep on offense and defense. He at both ends last year, he would snooze and be late, you know, miss, miss reads, miss cuts, miss switches, miss a lot of things. But I haven't really seen him messing up this year. So for me, that's a big, big improvement so far. I just don't know if it's enough at the end of the day yeah. is my point. I would I would like for it to be enough over the vets, but I just don't know that it's going to be is my worry. I'd like to see at least one of them stay in. I think Knox probably has a better chance right now, but, you know, yeah, I, I, feel like I, Knox I, I don't know. Take Reggie's minutes. Once, like, once Reggie's gut. completely phased out, whether it's via trade or – just not coming back next year. I think Knox, that'll be Knox's role in the future because you are starting to see, I feel like most of his shot attempts are finally where they should be at the corners or right at the rim. So I am encouraged by that. Frank, I don't know. Because Frank, his clock's up at the end of the year. So I don't know what the plan is. I feel like he needs to get in this rotation if he wants to stay on this team. He's, he's just got to keep doing what he's healthy, doing. man. Yeah, that's another. He's like sneaky. He's a sneaky injury-prone guy all the time. He's always hurt. Every time, I, I, every I've never time really noticed it. Yeah, groin knee. I don't know where the hell his knee came from because he looked fine. That what game was it that he went off? Was it um? It was the Bucks game, right? Yeah. Am I going crazy? Yeah. So after that, yeah. and then you follow it up with you're just gone again. It's like, come on, man. All right. It's really um, tough for him to build momentum every time he plays well. The league either ends or gets hurt. <laughs> seriously uh, it's sometimes things just aren't meant to be but uh kyle did you want to hit some mailbag before we get out of here yeah so you know we're going to go a little rapid fire here i'm going to read these off and you guys if we addressed it you know i'll say it and we can kind of keep it moving if not we'll we'll go from there mm-hmm. um so first if alfred payton keeps this play up which again he's been no. better of late could he be a trade asset towards the deadline if so what are some teams that could use him 
I don't know about teams, but again, if he's going to average those numbers that I was just talking about, I would assume there's going to be some at least minimal interest. So I don't know. Skeptical, but I don't know. He has no trade clause, unfortunately. Yeah, there we go. So he's going nowhere. I forgot about that. The the contractual one, right? Well, if he, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if he does find a team that can use him, and I'm just scrolling through teams, I can't really find one off the top of my head, but it would probably be a team, I guess, kind of like what the Lakers were last year, where they kind of just needed somebody. And they ended up hitting gold with Rondo, but they kind of like where you just need someone to fill in that point guard spot. I don't really see that. Maybe Miami, like very yeah, Clippers maybe. I can't really. I don't see one. Maybe Philly, another team, if like all hell breaks loose in the injuries. But don't forget, this is like a COVID year, so roster depth could change drastically depending on. But yeah, that's that's the gist of it. I wouldn't, well, like Sean said, I wouldn't be looking for an exit. I think we're have Elf for the rest of the year. Um, okay, so moving on to the next one, uh, and, th- and that was from sorry at and what? Oh, sorry, at Concrete um, New York. So thank you for that. Next one from at NY underscore Jack underscore. Um, you know, once Toppin and Burks return out of Bullock Rivers and quickly, who will lose the most time? Uh, I think we mostly just covered that one on the last segment, so we'll keep it moving. Um, the next one is from at E underscore the underscore abstract. Should we worry about the exhausting? Uh, should we worry about exhausting the players with such a short rotation, or should, uh, or do we never win enough games to care? Uh, I don't think we care. Like it's RJ's twenty years old. I don't think he, I don't think playing forty minutes a night is going to mess up his knees. This isn't the sixties, so like I'm not I'm not a big believer in the minutes watch thing. And I also don't believe once Quick is back to full, like full, you know, run and Burks is back in the rotation that RJ is going to be playing 40 minutes. But you do what you got to do and you got to do it. So I feel like once we get yeah. Burks and topping back, we'll start seeing more normal minute distribution. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to say on that one before we cut out is um, it's better than the alternative. Normally, they don't, the young guys don't play enough. And uh, now RJ's playing a lot. So my Mitch is playing a lot. So I like it. I'm in favor. Um, we'll worry about exhausting and, and whatever else later, you know, down the road to start the year. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm fine with it. But let's cut here real quick. Quick ad, and then we'll pick up the rest of the mailbag. And we're back, and we're going to wrap up with some more mailbag questions. Kyle, what else we got? Yep. Um, not really a question, but a comment. Um, from at freeze tag films, just pissed off how much Peyton runs, uh, Peyton runs the pick and roll, uh, roll with Mitch. Once Mitch sets the pick and rolls to the basket, Peyton rarely looks his way for the lap. He did a little bit better last night, but this guy, man, shaking my head. We know um, my least favorite Peyton play last night was late in the game. He inbounded the ball to RJ Barrett, uh, sort of just off the block, kind of like in between the elbow area, um, you know, mid range. And then he just stood there blocking the basket didn't clear out so then rj had to cook in a few seconds to get a shot off and was then forced into a jump shot because everyone knew he couldn't go to the basket because peyton and his defender were sitting there so i i feel you i understand for any alfred slander so yes i also agree it drives me nuts i feel like he runs the pick and roll for himself and he's also not that much of a threat off of it in the first place precisely um the next one from at AO uh, with a zero, chill. 
Uh, when DSJ comes back, there's no way he gets PT, right? Uh, no, there's no, no way that he gets PT. It, it's over. I, I, it's I feel, sad, man. It, it's sad. I feel I feel bad about it, Sean. I, I know you and I uh, have had the belief in him for quite some time, but uh, the reality of the situation is he just simply has not played well enough here the last, you know, season and, you know, change so far this year. And uh, it's just not it's just not getting the job done in a way that they're going to really let him ever get the opportunity that he probably wants here anymore. So I, I don't see it happening. Maybe some end of game minutes at this point, but uh, it does, does not look good for him. It's upsetting. Um, but yeah, with the way the rotation shaking out, it, it doesn't seem like Dennis is going to get minutes. It seems like he won't even necessarily be the next man up in terms of anybody else falling out of the rotation or, you know, an injury that may, we may come across. Um, but, you know, it's just – it comes down to what everybody else on the team has got to do. You just got to, you know, cheer on the rest of the team, play your role, uh, be really active on the bench, and stay ready. Like they keep saying, you know, everybody's watching, whether it's from another team or whatever it is. So you just got to, you know, be locked in and wait for your moment. And he always says, you know, he's going to be Dennis Smith Jr. regardless. He's going to work hard. And if his time comes, his time comes, and he's got to be ready for it. But it looks like we're a little – we're some time removed from his time. He had his moment. I mean – he. Tim Thibodeau did give him a chance. It's not like he was just frozen out. Didn't work out for whatever reason. And I just separately, I just want us as a fandom to just accept that the Porzingis trade was a massive whiff because I'm seeing way too many people trying to, yes, I'm just trying to. Sean, Sean, even with 20, they would have to hit the grand, like the the most gigantic of home runs. It's just, all right, here's my thing. People are like really stretching I'm seeing quickly being brought into like, oh, well, we got quickly because of Porzingis. That's not how it works. I mean, technically, though, it is. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's just not how it works, man. It's a direct result from the trade. A direct result from the trade. That that's how the, that's how trades are evaluated. They aren't evaluated with every little transaction that then came from the trade across all I franchises. Know, that's just, never it, how we talk about them. It's a, we're we're doing right. it for us to try to justify a horrifically franchise altering trade. That's what we're doing. I just no, I what, what did they say? What, they they made the jersey that said cap space, right? They said we did it for cap space, right? And then and with that cap space, we signed Marcus Morris. We okay. ended up turning into a first round pick. All right. So the thing with Morris, right? It's not like we signed like Morris to like a thirty million dollar deal. I think Porzingis being here does not change the ability to sign Marcus Morris. I can't go I, back. I think we can sign. I don't think we can sign Marcus Marcus Morris to that fifteen million dollar contract if we give KP that five. I first of all, I think we. I don't think we're giving enough credit to not being the team to give Kristaps Porzingis five years, hundred fifty eight million. I'll live like, with that. Okay, I'll I'll concede that. I just that's what I mean. Especially what? if that pick becomes lottery. It's not. I'd rather have it's, Julius Randle on the on the contract that he's on than I would to have Chris. Look, I, I, all right, that's fair. My, my my thoughts on this trade are, are well known across various podcasts and Twitter arguments, so I don't need to waste a second <laughs> on this at this point. I think it's 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 patently ridiculous to argue anything else. Given we, we've been, th- my issue is we're playing catch up. If you have to play catch up with the trade for multiple years, you didn't win the trade. That's the issue. We're playing catch up for an eternity to see it's going to be the duration of his contract that we're going to be trying to convince ourselves that we did this. We did an okay job. That's the thing. You know we didn't win. We didn't win. We're just doing an okay job from the trade. It's like that. That alone is showing that we have to justify everything, and we shouldn't have to justify. Okay, it. Just so kind of. It should just kind of be obvious that we got something my, of value quickly. Again, no question, pun intended. If, if, <laughs> if that pick does go lottery, what do you? Does it change the way you feel about the trade? 
No. Objective question. Well, I'll, no? be, I'll be very happy. No, like, don't get me wrong. If this ends up with a lottery pick, I'm very Sean, comfortable being I, a moron. Sean, let me explain to you why I wouldn't be happy. Is because if they were actually going to be smart about the Porzingis trade, they would have actually shopped him around more. They didn't. It was a rush right. trade to the Mavericks exactly. to get whatever result. It's not that I don't think the tra- the the pick might result in something valuable. Of course, objectively, absolutely could. The issue is they could have gotten more better things instead of using KP as a sweetener in what was really a salary dump deal to get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee. Who's the multiple second best player in the trade? Multiple teams didn't even know that KP was available. They couldn't get an offer in for him. If they were going to shop him, do a thorough job. Then throw him on the block. Get a bunch of offers. Let some people bid. Not just Dennis Smith Jr. and whatever protections on picks. Like, just there could have been a better process throughout. Is my point for a guy who, despite That's the injury, was very young, very young, coming off an All Star season, showing a ton of upside. Objectively, how we, everybody feels about him now and the injuries. The reality at the time was he was going to be a very, very good budding young player. So. There was a better process that could have been had. Every report from New York guys or national guys showed it was a quick process. It was basically the Mavs called that was done. They just wanted the fuck out of New York. That's my issue with it. There was better. You could have done better, and they weren't a smart enough front office to do that at the time. But That's I fair. would be. I would be happy. I really. I would be thrilled. Sean, I don't Sean, see it being I, lottery. Lottery. I want you to be right every single day. I argue with you about that pick every day. I want <laughs> you to be right every day. I want to wake up. And, and, and the Mavs are in the lottery. We got a great pick, and you're just showing me my old tweets, and you're just laughing, and we have a ball, <laughs> and then we enjoy whatever that pick is. I would love that. That's not the issue. It's just I don't think it's going to happen, and I think we could have gotten more better things, more better things instead of using him as a salary dump. That, that's all that I've been saying since the trade. I didn't like the process. I like Dennis Smith. I like getting picks. It's just there was a better way to do this. That's fair. I just love how fired up people get over this trade. I love it. Myself I know included. nobody wants to lose. I know nobody wants to lose the trade, really especially when think... you move a guy. It, but like even the mellow trade, right? We traded. That's mellow. what I was just about to say. All right. Do you think I, this is what my thing is. Last point. I think people want the KP trade to look good because they keep using the mellow trade as an example, because for some reason people think the mellow trade was an atrocity, which is completely false. I know me and you on the same wavelength with this, Kyle. I don't know, Sean, you might feel the same way. The mellow trade itself was fine. But folks are trying to use that trade because the Nuggets lucked into Jam- uh, Jamal Murray with that mellow trade. Otherwise, their big takeaway would have been Gallinari. Good player nonetheless, but not a star. Murray is kind of a pseudo star. I feel like we're doing that now to try and justify it. And I'm just, I just hope this draft goes. I hope the Mavs pick lands smack dab in the middle at 15. We draft some loser and people could just get over it. Move on. Yeah. I, it's look, just really annoying. The, look, the, the last real thing here. Um, what was I gonna say? Damn, sorry, it wasn't even, it was, no, it wasn't, it no, it wasn't even on the oh no, yeah, the mellow trade. I was gonna say not even that part of it, Mike. I was gonna say the, the opposite part. When we traded old mellow, we oh. ended up getting Mitchell Robinson out of the trade. Right. Like that's a that's a direct causation, you know what I mean? To me, that's something that's mm-hmm. like that that wasn't nothing. That was you got a really good high value second round pick, and then turn you took a swing on a guy who fell. And then, again, garbage front office at the time, but they hit on that one, right? And he's a legit starter now. So, like, to me, that that's what I mean about it being a direct causation, not a, well, okay, we had to get this, and then we had to upsell this <laughs> with something else, to, to, you know, to combine it. to. It's like, yeah, of course, it's like a little part of it, but I mean like a direct causation, like for Mello, we got Mitchell Robinson. Like, that's a direct line. You could, with a Sharpie, you make the line. Like, it's very simple. Like, if something like that happens from the KP trade, we hit a stud. It's like, all right. I mean, obviously, what, what am I going to argue? If, if we get a lottery pick and then we hit a home run, well, what is there to argue? 
th- then yeah, then it changes things. But it's just the the odds of it, you know, I, I don't love. I, I don't. And and I obviously think the Mavs are a playoff team and Sean does not. And then that's <laughs> that discussion uh, once again. But uh, and to better news for, for Sean here, I'm going to tee this one up. At Andrew Alwyn 17 for the last mailbag question. Over under 10 and a half games until Emmanuel quickly starts at point guard. Oh, that's a really solid over under. It is. Does I like now, that. Uh, I, we have to decide now because it's like, are we deciding 10 and a half games into the season or 10 and a half games from now? What does that mean? I'd say from now, like now that he's back, I wouldn't even count the Indiana game because he didn't play too, too much, but I'd say like now. I'm, I'm going to go under. Ooh. I like yeah, it. I think it's a 72 game season. I think that we're six games in. And I feel like there's, like I said, I don't think, I don't like Alfred to continue over a three week stretch playing, you know, very consistent, good offensive basketball. So I just think that on a nightly basis, when you have a guy out there who's doing exactly what you need to be done and a guy who's out there doing the antithesis of what you need done, it's easy to make that decision. Yeah, I'm going to go over here. I'm just going to, I think it's something that we're going to all ask for continuously, but I really do think. Debito values closing games more than starting games for whatever reason. I do think he feels defense sets the tone better than offense. So I'm going to go over there, but I do imagine quickly being a large part of this rotation. So that's the bright side. Yeah. um, I don't know about 10 games. I I just think again, while I would like it, and I think quickly has the talent to do it, I just got to see it, but just seeing, uh, you know, how much, Tom Thibodeau is leaning on Alfred Payton to start the year. I think 10 games is probably a little much. I'd probably set it closer to like 15, 20. Um, I think that's probably the amount of games he'd have to play pretty well coming off the bench to really earn Tibbs' trust in, in a starting role. But um, I, again, would rather be wrong and it'd be much quicker and Alfred just plays more like he did to start the season than he has this last week and a half. And uh yeah, we'll, we'll see, but I, I, I'm i going to take the over on that. I just hope it's not much more over. I'm always the optimistic guy, so I'll, I'll take the fall. I hope you're right, and I, I'm just, I'm usually always hope that you're right. And I'm I'm, I mean, I mean, look, quickly came in, and, and what did, how many minutes did he have last night? Just do we know 14, real uh, quick? 14? 14, yeah. yeah. 14, 14 minutes, and in 14 minutes, he, sure. 14 minutes, he had nine points, three or four shooting, made a bunch of free throws, had a couple assists, right? Like, that's pretty good, man. That that's pretty good in 14 minutes. Like that's, I mean, that's not a ton of minutes. You know what I mean? Like that's him coming in and with like the very little amount that he was able to to create in that amount of time, he did as much as he could do. Like in 14 minutes to get a couple assists, make all your shots, make some free throws, and then go back to the bench. Like that's a, that's a pretty full 14. So, I he definitely's got the talent to do it. Definitely. Definitely has the talent. Definitely has the ability. Uh, I I really would love to believe he's a player, man. I saw so many grades. I didn't even love when they picked him up. I wanted, you know, I wanted Terry. I wanted some other guys. I was open. I was about. angry. It's, it's documented, so I can't even lie about it. I, 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 was I don't angry. care. I never <laughs> care. We're mad about this stuff. It's the draft. We don't know anything. Anything. We think we do. We watch some stuff. We, we believe in some guys, and then we call it a day. But then guys come in and light it up all the time and look better than we thought they would, and, and that's the fun of the draft. So I didn't like the pick all that much, and I saw, like, CBS and some other places give him a D-plus. Yeah, give the a D-plus. Yeah, I mean, that was OD. I think it, was, it was a guard, and they went shooting. At, at worst, it was a C if you really don't like him. But, I mean, yeah. come on. The idea was correct. But, uh, look, I'd love if he was good. Every day I get excited. I love – 
when do I like looking forward to bench minutes, Mike and Sean? When do I ever like, yeah, I'm excited for these, these 15 Frank minutes or these 15, not, never, <laughs> ne- never quickly, quickly last night. I was like, man, <laughs> man, these, these rivers quickly minutes off the bench. Woo. Like when does that, like what a gross sentence coming out of my mouth. Like, <laughs> like who gets excited about second units like that? Like, I hope it works out. I really do. I think the last time I got like that was Hernan Gomez, Porzingis minutes. Oh, Hernan Gomez bench minutes were electric. Electric. He looked like a mini Gasol. I bought in. I, I believe it. I'm really yeah, embarrassed. I used to say that. I really, I said that. That came out of my mouth. I'm a joke, but that came out of my mouth. Mini Marcus all. I, it's, <laughs> I mean, look how far we've come just off that sentence alone. But Obi Toppin should be coming back in the future. Um, Sean, you got anything to plug? Maybe uh... a podcast with the name in it? I don't know. Oh, I mean, we have the Plug Talk podcast. You know, it's not Nick related, but I, you know, talk about life and other things. I'm not always well behaved, though. You know, be careful. Kyle, <laughs> well, you got anything? Um, mostly just you know, stay up with uh, the Knicks wall like you guys have been doing. Really appreciate it. a lot of good support this year. Uh, you know, appreciate everybody who's reading, listening. Uh, you know, staying along with us on the the nights we're tweeting, whether it's Mike or, or Sean or Pat or whoever else. Um, you know, the highlight videos you guys seem to be liking. Um, so just, you know, appreciate you guys' support. Uh, keep doing that for us. Uh, we'll keep putting out as much content as we can for you. Um, so give us a nice five-star rating and review on this podcast if you can. We would appreciate it. Uh, I will like to say officially on this podcast, I'm going to, Mike, we're going to do it this week. I want to tell these people on the podcast first because they're our most loyal listeners. Uh, we are going to be doing a giveaway this week on Twitter. Um, we, hey. are going, we are going to be giving away a jersey. There will be more details to come, but uh, just just get ready for some fun stuff. You know, we like to give out stuff during the year. You guys are good to us. We want to be good to you. Yeah, so no, stay, definitely so, be on the lookout for that. So stay tuned if you're yeah, listening to. Yeah, if you're staying, if, if you're listening to this, and uh, you know, you just heard that. Make sure you uh, ask us about it on Twitter. We can kind of get the conversation going because, you know, I don't like to pigeonhole you guys into which jersey you should select. I'd like to give out an R.J. Barrett one. Maybe you want an Obi Toppin one. That's a conversation for us to have on the timeline. So I'm excited to talk to you guys there. And in addition to that, I just wanted to add, the people who watch, like, shout out to everyone who, like, engages with everything we do. But, wow, the people who watch, like, the pregame prayers and halftime hopefuls and postgame prouding of prosperity, they're so nice to me. It's ridiculous. So I just want to thank all of you guys for that. Like, they're – sometimes I get off of there and I'm like, wow, like, those people were really nice to me for, like, a solid 20 minutes. So thank you people people like good work and i just wanted to give a shout out to kyle on those videos i mean i think last night was what two minutes after the final buzzer it's it's amazing he's wiping the floor with the competition and i know he won't say it so i'll say it he's he's crushing it man so crushing it keep that up kyle man this this video fastest man alive uh, it's really it's insane. It's yeah, the, the, the New York Knicks. Like yesterday, I refreshed my me. timeline. I was like, wait a minute, is this a full package? Because you know, we <laughs> tweet out clips during the game, but I saw it was like a minute something. I was like, wait a minute, and then I was like, geez, this guy's an absolute machine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was by little... the time I finished the post game, so he's done already. Like, <laughs> the, the video's up. And, wow, <laughs> the, they'll, they'll never know the formula, never. So on that <laughs> note, on that note, uh, we'll put a ball on it. Appreciate uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, next to three and three, as of the last time I looked at the standings this morning, they were seventh in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, woke up again in the playoffs, not a big deal. Orlando Magic were second. <laughs> Once again, you can't avoid us when we were eighth, you were first. At the end of the day, you know, run from it, but destiny's coming. 
Orlando is coming. <laughs> Markel Fultz is going to get abused by quickly in a four-game series. I'd love to see it. So um, we'll talk to you guys next week, and uh, go Knicks. Go Knicks.